Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online and all of us here. I want to say a big welcome. I want you to help me uh, to our new campus pastor at the Frisco West Campus, Zach Wright, his wife, Ashley, and two beautiful girls. Can we give it up for them? Guys, we love you. So glad you're part of the family. Hey, and, and Frisco West, if you haven't met Zach and his, and his family, go out to the lobby today, introduce yourselves, wait around a little bit so you can get to meet him. Great, great man. He's been, they've been there a couple of weeks now. He, he spoke a, a few weeks ago, did a great job. Uh, welcome, guys. We love you. Glad you're a part of us. Um, we're going to dive right in. We're going to finish this summer series on um, the book of Hebrews. The first two weeks of the summer series, we talked about the Bible you know, how do you really read the Bible? How do you understand it uh, culturally, contextually? How does it come alive to us and apply to us today? Then we had Father's Day, and then we started this book, Hebrews, and we've been over the last several weeks studying and reading chapters per week and, and looking at the, the topics of Hebrews. An unbelievable book. It's a genius writing and uh, let me remind you of the context of the book. The writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of Jewish Old Testament law-keeping believers who had, or, or people who had put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Messiah. As promised in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, that God would send a Savior, a Messiah, born to us this day, a Savior, they put their faith in Jesus. Now, because of that faith and because of their relationship or association with Jesus, they were now being persecuted by their own people, by their own family, even thrown in prison, some of them killed. Paul was a part of the killing of early Christians, Paul the Apostle. So when, he, when, when the writer of Hebrews writes to these people, and he's not just writing only to them, but he is addressing them because they are struggling. You ever struggled in your faith? You ever kind of been in that situation where you're just like, man, I don't even know if this is working. I don't even know if God is hearing my prayer or whatever. Well, that's where they are. They're being persecuted and suffering because of their association and belief in Jesus. And so the context or the theme of this book is to once again reestablish why it is that you became believers and then he's laying the foundation for their theology. Unbelievably written. Now, over the last few weeks, let's just cover some of the topics. Week one, we talked about Jesus, 101. Jesus being the foundation of everything. He is better than Moses. He's better than the law. He's better than David. He is better than the angels. Jesus is God. He is the only one who makes us right with God by what he did on the cross. This first, and this is a theme in the whole book, let me just say, chapters one through 10, filled with unbelievable theology, and it's all about Jesus. High priest, sacrifice, once and for all, gave us a way to be reconciled to God and the only way, so forth. Week two, we talked about maturity. And he makes the case to them saying, now you've been believers for years now, but you're shallow. 
You're easily distracted, dull, spiritually speaking. And I wish that you would be teaching by now, but I have to teach you or keep you on milk, like, like, like little babies, spiritual babies. So he makes this case, and listen, it's easy for us to look at them and go, dummies, you know, why don't they, why don't they, or aren't they better? Now, let me just say, and I'm speaking for myself too, how many have ever felt like you were immature every once in a while in your faith, and you go through a challenge or a trial, and you cry out and wham, wham, wham like a baby, and that's what he's talking about. And, and literally, as we talked about this maturity thing, we're talking about suffering and talking about solid food and talking about teaching what, what God has done in our lives, but instead, they're having to, to hear the foundations of, of Jesus and the foundations of faith over and over. So maybe you and I would be encouraged to grow in our faith like he was encouraging them. Week three, uh, campus pastors talked about Jesus, our great high priest, and then week four, um, Robert, awesome job last week, living by faith in Hebrews 11. Today, I'm going to talk about keep it simple. So, when you look at chapters 1 through 12, and specifically 1 through 10, as I said, it's all theology. I mean, he goes, Hebrews is not for the faint of heart. Hebrews is one of those you have to read kind of over and over again, because it's filled with the laying of the foundation that Jesus Christ is the way that we are made right with God. Jewish believers, don't go back to the old system. Don't go back to the law. Jesus didn't come to just abolish the law. He fulfilled it. So keeping the law is not gonna help you. Don't go back to that. Keep your eyes Keep your focus on Jesus. Chapters 1 through 12, unbelievable foundation to help us in our understanding of our relationship with God. Then he turns a corner in chapter 13. In chapter 13, he goes from theology and examples to practicality. In other words, All of this theology, all of this foundation that I'm laying is for a reason. Because if your theology doesn't affect the way you live, you've missed the whole point. Now let me say that again. If your theology, your understanding of God, doesn't affect the way that you live, out in the real world, not just here on the weekend, but in the real world, if it doesn't affect the way you live, you're missing the whole point. So in chapter 13, where we're gonna go today, I call this, uh, keep it simple because of this. He gives us three simple things. The first one is simple instructions. The second is simple reminders. And the third is a simple prayer, and that's how he closes his letter. Again, I can't say it enough. This writing is genius. It is deep. It is practical, filled with examples. It is an unbelievable read, and I hope that you've been able to read with us. I'm gonna give you a challenge at the end, but let's start with number one, and I'm gonna read the, the text, Hebrews 1, or 13, 1 through, I think, 9 or so, and then I'll give you the point. We'll talk about it a little bit. 
But let's start with simple instructions. Here's what the writer of Hebrews, how he ends the book, how he ends his letter. Here's how he ends it. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have come or have done this entertained angels without even realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies, injustice. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to, the one, to, to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Let me stop right there. Now, this is not in my notes, but this is free for you. And, it's, you, and you need it. Some of you really need this. Over the last two and a half years, COVID, racial, uh, racial uh, craziness, and political, and then the economy, and all of these in the last two and a half, three years, what has been the primary emotion from most of us? Fear. Fear of where we're going, fear of where we're not going. Fear of losing this, fear of losing something. And don't get mad at me. If you do this, it's fine. It's your business. You can do what you want. Stockpiling things because of something getting ready to happen. And, that, and I understand that's your business, but let me, let me just suggest this. If it's all in a spirit of fear, it's not of God. The writer of Hebrews closes his letter, and again, this, I'm not even talking about this in this thing, but he says, so we say with confidence. In other words, it has to do with money. It has to do with security. It has to do with, with retaining what is ours. And he says, we say this with confidence, the Lord is my helper, not the government. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Does it make sense? I know you don't want to hear that. Like John, stick up on, I invited somebody today, please don't go there. Oh, I'm going to go there. <laughs> Guys, of all the people on the planet who should not be in fear but, but walk in peace, it's us, believers in Jesus. Because we don't fear men, they can kill us, but they really can't. Does that make sense? We follow, we serve the one who is on the throne, who is in control. Doesn't mean we don't realize what's going on. Doesn't mean that we don't tackle injustice. Doesn't mean that we don't prepare and be good stewards. So don't hear me say that we're not supposed to do those things. Stick our head in the sand and wait for Jesus to come. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if we're walking in fear, guys, you're not walking in the right frame of reference or faith. That was free, but you needed it. Remember your leaders. <laughs> Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so do not be attracted by strange 
new ideas. Conspiracy. Your strength comes, yes, I said that, and I mean it. Get your head out of the internet and into the word of God. Stop looking at conspiracy, spiritually or otherwise. Look to the Lord, look to the word. Walk by faith, not by sight. Don't walk in fear, walk in faith. Be at peace, okay? I'm gonna, uh, the last time I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna move on. Don't be distracted, attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from the God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. Okay, context here. In the Jewish community who were believing in Jesus as their Messiah, great controversy. Paul talks about this in Romans. Great controversy about what you could or could not do now as believers in Christ. In other words, hey, you can't eat that meat. Hey, you can't drink that. You can't do that. You, they're, they're, that festival, that moon, that new moon or whatever, right? He's going, hey, hey, guys, don't follow. So then the context, okay, I understand. In the context, he's not talking about conspiracy, political or spiritual. But he is talking about the controversy of hey, you can't do this or that because of the Jewish law. He says, hey, don't follow that. I would say in our context, your strength from, comes from God's grace. It's not about the food. Don't be attracted by strange and new ideas. In other words, don't be weird. <laughs> That's what in my, this is John's interpretation. But in other words, don't be weird. Quit being weird. Quit sending those emails to your family about doom and gloom, and everybody's like, what? And they, can I just tell you, uh, this is just Papa John, this is not a word from God. They think you are nuts. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I'm, I, I'm just telling you. Doesn't help those who are not believers when we try to scare them. It's God's kindness that leads people to repentance. Okay, that's free too. That wasn't in the notes. All right, here we go. Um... Okay, so I think that's it. All right, so starts chapter 13 with practical, simple instructions. Let me list them again. Let me just list them out on the, on the screen. These are all that we just said. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, yeah, okay, simple instructions. Yep, that's great. Number one, hope you got that. Now, here are the, here's the list of things that, that the writer gives to them as instructions. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Second one, show hospitality to strangers. When's the last time you helped somebody that couldn't help you? Or, or did something for somebody that you didn't ask for something in return? That kind of thing. Remember those in prison. Um, remember those who are mistreated, injustice of any kind. Don't turn your head. Don't not say something. Do something, say something. Remain faithful in marriage. Um, Next, don't love money, be satisfied. Follow the good example of your leaders and don't be weird, okay? <laughs> don't be attracted to strange new ideas. Okay, now let me, let me ask you a question. If I could sum up the book of Hebrews with two things, it would be this. It would be this, you ready? Loving God, and loving your neighbor. If I could sum up the gospel in the sense of understanding salvation through Christ alone and his blood and, and it's not through our works or our, our uh, you know, performance that we should boast, but it's only by what he's done for us and we receive that by faith, okay. But the gospel, as Jesus said, the greatest commandment 
is love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Now let me explain. Chapters 1 through 12 of Hebrews, deep theology, helping uh, listen, helping us understand our relationship with God. Through Jesus Christ, it only happens through what Jesus did on the cross. He was our great high priest. He was the sacrifice once and for all. No more sacrifice, no more of that. He became that. So he's laying the foundation of how we relate to God, how we respond to God. And what he's done for us is loving our neighbor. Let me put that list on the screen again. All of these things. Listen to this. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Relationship. Show hospitality to strangers. Relationship. Remember those in prison. Relationship. Remember those who were mistreated. Relationship. Remember, uh, uh, remain faithful in marriage. Relationship. Don't love money. Be satisfied. Relate. No, that, wait a minute. That, oh, yes, it does. When you're greedy, you're selfish. And that affects everybody around you. Relationship. Follow the good example of your leaders. Relationship. Don't be weird. Relationship. Does this make sense to you? If I sum it up, these simple instructions, it's understanding how to love God and and our relationship with God, and then that, that understanding, that theology affects the way we live. And if it doesn't, listen, here's how Paul described it. If I were to walk over to the drum set right now, I'm not gonna do it, because there's a wall there, and I don't want to go through the thing because the camera has problems and there's no lighting back there. But if I were to go back to the drum set and take one of those sticks and hit that cymbal as hard as I could, it would be obnoxious. It would be loud. It would be weird. Now, when, when the music is going and when the band's playing, our drummers are awesome, aren't they? Holy cow. All of them. Every one of them are awesome. Okay. But, but when you use your theology without love, it's like a clanging symbol. Here's how Paul describes it. Listen, you can have the knowledge. You can know everything about everything. You can speak with the tongues of men and of angels. But if you don't have love, It means nothing. So if you and I understand Hebrews 1 through 12, especially 1 through 10, as a theological foundation, but it doesn't affect the way that we treat people in our neighborhood, in this world, on social media, if it doesn't affect that way, listen to who we are. We are nothing but a symbol played out of context. And it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how much we know unless what we know affects how we live. And that's why this book is genius. I mean, he he lays this theological foundation that is rich and deep and mature, and then he says, okay, this is how it should affect your lives. We are not made right with God because we follow these rules. We do these things because we are made right with God through Jesus. We do these things because of our relationship with God. And when our relationship with God is right, 
the overflow of that fruit, the overflow of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit are these things. How we love our neighbor. We're not made right with God because we keep these rules. We're made right with God, Hebrews 1 through 10. We are made right with God because of only one person, Jesus, not us. But because we are made right with God, because we are right with God, because we love God, we do these things. Simple instructions. Hey guys, take what you know and let it, let it affect the way you live. So of all the people, and I say this over and over, of all the people on the planet who should be walking in peace, of all the people on the planet who should not be racist and should speak out about injustice for, any, for anything, of all the people who should be attractive in their lifestyle. In other words, when people look at you, the first thing they don't see is weird. The first thing you don't see is super spiritual, self-righteous. But, but Peter talks about it this way. He says, hey, let your lives li be lived in such a way that people, your neighbors, want to know more about what it is that you have. Does this make sense? Because you're letting the theology, you're letting what you believe about God affect the way, or how you love God, affect the way you love your neighbor. And of all the people on the planet, we should be the most peaceful, we should be the most joyful, we should be the most grace-filled people on the planet. And what, we're, what the world is seeing in a lot of ways, they're giving us the Heisman because they don't want what we have. Because we get political, we get weird, super spiritual, judgmental, and they look at us and they go, no thanks. Because we're walking in fear. Because we think somebody's gonna take something from us. And the, and the, and the scripture says, hey, why do you fear? What can man do to you, people? Of hope, I can't. I'm not responsible for anybody else, but people of hope. Allow your theology and what you know and believe about God affect the way you love your neighbor. Those who despitefully use you, those who ask you to go a mile, then go two; those who slap you across the faith face, turn the other cheek, that kind of, I know it's not popular, but when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and then love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. But who is my neighbor? Oh, good question. Glad you asked. And you know what he said? Virtually, he says, your enemy. The, good, the story of the Good Samaritan. A Jewish man is robbed and left for dead, beaten up, left for dead on the side of the road. And a despised Samaritan man crosses the road after a religious priest and leader, temple assistant, walk by and ignore him. A good Samaritan 
a despised Samaritan, because the Jews were racist against the, the, the people of Samaria, goes over and helps him. And he says, that's your neighbor. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at you. Send him an email, okay? All right, so here we go. Number two, number two, simple reminders. So we had simple instructions. How many still love me? Say yes. <clears throat> Doesn't matter if you do or not. You have to. Simple reminders. Hebrews chapter 13, let's go to, I think it's verse 10. <clears throat> it goes into a little theology here. We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle, going back to the Old Testament, have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. Okay, so let me explain. Old Testament sacrificial system, Adam and Eve sinned. He says, you eat of this fruit, of the fruit of this tree, you will surely what? Okay, die. The holiness and the character of God cannot allow, it's, it will not, there's no way it can allow things to just go. Like, like oh, I'll let you off this time. His holiness can't allow that. So there has to be a wrong, there has to be a right for the wrong. There has to be an atonement. Another, that's a spiritual theological word, but there has to be a right for the wrong. God's holiness requires it. He set up a system called the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, Old Covenant. And that system was this. Okay, I'm not gonna require your blood, but take the blood of an animal, a goat, a ram, a heifer, a dove, whatever, depending on the size of your sin. So some of you need to be a big old longhorn. <clears throat> and the, the blood of that animal would be brought into the Holy of Holies. You had the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. The high priest would go in there one time a year, and he would bring the blood of the animal to atone for the sin for a year, okay? That's what he's talking about. So, so if you're like, what does that mean? That's what it means, okay? So the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals, they weren't allowed in. They were kept outside the camp. Their blood came into the Holy of Holies and atoned for sin. Their bodies were out in the camp, outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates. So when Jesus was, was crucified on Golgotha, it was outside of the gates of Jerusalem. He makes his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. I'll talk about that in a minute. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't, listen to this, <clears throat> and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need because these are the sacrifices that please God. Let me, let, me, let me just go back to that, would you? Go back to that last verse. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. Next verse. These are the sacrifices that please God. Okay, so let me just stop here for a minute. When we come in and worship, sing our songs, whatever we're singing. Great songs too, right? We get great songs. Some of us lift our hands and that's just a sign of surrender. 
that's a sign of, yes, I agree with what we're singing. And, and, and man, I'm just, I, I, Lord, I'm reaching out to you, whatever the case is. But, and, but let me just help you understand that that in and of itself is good. We need to do that. We need to sing. We're instructed to bring our worship, to sing to each other, encouraging one another with hymns, spiritual songs and, and hymns, psalms, encouraging one another. Okay, we're instructed to do that. But if we do that in here, listen to me, and then we walk out of this building and we go home and we go about our week and we treat people unfairly, we, we blast people on social media, what we did in here was a waste of time because that's not the sacrifice. That's not the worship he's wanting. That's backed up by tons of scripture. Old Testament, Isaiah. He's not, he's not looking for the sacrifice. He's not looking for a burnt offering. He is looking for us to do good. Now, we're not doing good to get his approval. Jesus did good to get his approval. We're not doing that, but we're doing good because of God's love. Does this make sense to you? So these are the sacrifices that, God, that please God. Listen to this. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Let's all say that together. One, two, three. Obey spiritual leaders. Some of you ain't having it, right? And I understand. In the context, let me just say this. In the context, your spiritual leaders, this is not about a cult. It's not about doing whatever a leader says. Spiritual leaders should be people who are um, um, grounded in Scripture, not saying weird and outlandish things, but more importantly, or just as important, <clears throat> is the way in which they lead. Jesus says, you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Do what? Be the servant of all. He said, in this world, leaders lord it over their people. They tell them what to do, and, and they tell them in a harsh way. They lord it over them. It's not a, it's not, that's a negative. It's not a positive. They treat people like they're, like they're a commodity. That's the way the world treats people. In the kingdom, you want to be a leader? Be the servant of all. Humble. Wash feet. So, in the context of this, it's not about cult it's not about a rock star Christian celebrity. Obey your spiritual leaders as they follow the word of God, as they follow the gospel of Jesus and do what they say. Not because I want you to do what I say. Hey, go wash my car or go do some crazy thing. In the context, spiritually speaking. So, just so you know. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy. Not with sorrow. That would certainly not be to your benefit. Okay, so here's, we had simple instructions. Now here are simple reminders. I'm gonna go quick. Here we go. Here are the simple reminders. Go. Don't be afraid of suffering. Oh, okay, stop there. Don't be afraid of suffering. Sorry. Let me stop for that for a minute. And again, the context of, of this letter is writing to Jewish people who, who believed in Jesus who are suffering, being persecuted for their faith. Now, that is not directly 
related to us right now. We're not really, most of us not being, now in the world, yes, around the world, there are many parts that are being persecuted for their faith. We not so much here in our country. However, I thought about this during worship last night, Saturday night service, and I didn't say anything. And I really wish I would have said something. I said it in first service. Reminders, don't be afraid of suffering. And this is the part where um, the scripture says, go outside of the camp and bear the disgrace that Jesus bore. Remember that passage we just read? I said, explain it. That was, that was in relationship to suffering. Jesus did nothing to deserve what he got. He didn't do anything wrong, didn't say anything wrong, didn't sin, didn't rise up against Rome, did none of that. But he was crucified and suffered unjustly. Now, many of us, we sang a song, the third song we sang this weekend. And it's, it's about, I thought by now the walls would fall. And the context of this song is, man, I've been praying for something and it just seems like nobody, God's not hearing my prayers. It seems like nobody cares. And, and maybe this suffering that, that, that would relate to us as we, as we hear about what they're going through is, is that maybe you're walking through depression right now. You didn't ask for it. You didn't cause it. It's not anything you did. You're not unspiritual because you're, you're, you're struggling. And this is a form of suffering for you. And it's like, man, I, don't, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I don't understand why I still feel this, this suffocation in my life and I don't understand or maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe you have a, 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 a disconnect with your parents and they're older and they're getting older and, and you still don't talk and, and it's still strained and maybe rightfully so, but you didn't do anything and you're trying to make it right and, and it's like, man, this, what is wrong? Or maybe it's a marriage thing or maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a, a, a body, a physical you know, ailment thing and it's like, God, will you ever hear my prayer? It just seems like I thought by now that my life would be different. I thought by now that you would have heard my prayer and that you would have made a way and I'm just, I just want you to know. And I know it's easy for me to say, it's easy for somebody up here on the stage whose life appears to be perfect and I have all of this down and I'm just teaching you, just sit at my feet. That's not the case. I'm learning more than you are, I promise. Every time we, every time we do this, I'm learning more than you are. However, I know it's easy for me to say, but I have to say it. Hold on. Hold on. Even though you're suffering and you don't know when he's going to answer the prayer, and you may get the answer that Paul got when he begged Jesus to take this thing away from him. We don't know what it was, but take this thing away from me. And the only thing that Jesus said to Paul, the Apostle Paul, is my grace is sufficient. Hold on to that. Each day he will give you your daily bread. And if you're suffering right now and you're walking through this, we sing that song every once in a while and every time we sing it, I know somebody shuts down because they're like, yeah, no, I don't see the faithfulness of God because that chorus goes on to sing, great is your faithfulness and I love, it's awesome, you're faithful and there's a victory on the other side and you're saying, where's the other side? 
hold on, hold on. Even if it's just grace that you receive and not the tearing down of the wall, not the big thing that you thought you were gonna receive, hold on, be encouraged. He loves you. That's, as, as, the, as the writer is just reminding them about their persecution or their suffering, let me remind you and me that don't be afraid of suffering. Whatever it is, say, Lord, I don't know where this is going. I don't know why is, what's going on, but I'm gonna be faithful to you, and I know you're faithful. May your grace cover me. This world is not our home. Remember, these are reminders. Again, these are reminders. This world is not our home. Don't buy into this system. Don't be attached to this world and the things of it. We are not of this world. We're in it, we're not of it. That doesn't mean we stick our head in the sand. Doesn't mean we don't be good, we're not good stewards. Doesn't mean we don't uh, plan and, and we don't you know, do what we need to do for retirement, all this. It doesn't mean that. It just means, hey, don't, don't think that this is it. This is not your home. This is not your home. Next one is offer a sacrifice of continual praise. Hey, doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Mountaintop, valley. Challenge, all, everything's good. Give him praise. Sing your songs, whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's victory or whether it's challenging. Continual sacrifice of praise. He didn't want your blood. He doesn't want your animal. He doesn't want that. He wants your praise. He wants your continual praise. And then uh, do good and share with those in need. That's a constant reminder. Hey, this is what we're called to do. And then, more importantly than anything, obey your spiritual leaders. <laughs> These are the reminders. Now, let me end with number three, a simple prayer. This is the way the writer of Hebrews ends his whole letter. And it's genius. Here we go. Chapter 13. Verse 20, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. Let, let me just say this right here, unbelievable statement. I mean, the, I don't know, the thought that went into this, I don't know what it was, but I mean, obviously directed by the Holy Spirit, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. He is just reminding them, hey, Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the dead. The greatest or the great shepherd of the sheep. In other words, he is not far a distant God. He is close and he loves you like a shepherd protects, like a shepherd loves and guides and, and, and helps his sheep. He's a... He's a Going back to Hebrews 4, he is not a God who is not touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That's King James. But, but he is not a God who doesn't understand or is not aware of the trouble and the challenges and the temptations that we go through. He's the good shepherd. And then theology, ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. Man, crazy genius. All right. May, so in light of all that, okay, may the God of peace, who did all that, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. 
So as I read this over and over again, trying to figure out, you know, how, how do we, how, what am I going to say about this? Then I just took kind of a little inventory of my prayer or my prayers. I have a list in my, in my uh, journal of things to pray for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, wow. So much of it is filled with, oh Lord, would you bless my family? And I go through everyone in my family, even my son-in-laws. <laughs> Just kidding, I love you guys. And my grandbabies. And then I pray for our staff and the list of, of, of those ministries in our church, and I pray for our elders and, and our board members, and, and then I pray for the church, and I pray for my friends that are around the world uh, that are in mission, missionaries, our good friends, Chris and Brandy Exley, and, and others that I pray for. So the list goes on. And th- that's a good list, by the way. The, the, that's not wrong to pray those things. Have a list. It's not wrong to do those things. But as I took inventory of, of the, the, the number of things that we pray for, and I'm talking about when I say we, you and me, how, many, how much of it is for me and for my friends? How much of it is, oh God, help me. Oh God, make this deal go through. Oh God, help my marriage. Not, please understand, not wrong prayers. Those are good prayers. Great prayers. He wants to hear us. He says, hey, bring your request to God. So so he's not tired of hearing about your stuff. Okay, so don't hear me say that. But how many times do we pray this? God, I want to do your will. Help me focus today on your will, not mine. How many times do we pray this? As, and hopefully a lot. My hunch is you're a little bit like me and we're pray, I'm praying for, you know, my stuff, my people. Good to pray for those things. Help me stay in your perfect will. And then the second prayer, simple, simple prayers, right? I ask for the power to do what is pleasing for you. I ask for the power to do what is pleasing for you. What is pleasing? Go back to the instructions. Go back to the reminders. Simple prayer. But I found myself, man, yeah, see, all those things. Help me to do good. Help me to do what is pleasing to you. So you and me, where do, we, where do we go? Here's what I want you to do. My homework for you, my challenge to you is this week, I want you to read the whole book. Hebrews 1 through 13. I know it's 13 chapters. I know it's a lot. I know some of you don't read or don't like to read. So all of you read, but you probably don't like to read. I'm gonna ask you to make a sacrifice for the Lord. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. I'm gonna ask you to read the whole book of Hebrews chapter 1 through 13. And keep in mind, chapters 1 and one through 10 are going to be heavy with theology. 
chapter 11 gives us some great examples of people in the Old Testament who lived by faith. Chapter 12 is reminding us to get rid of the sin and to get rid of the things that get us distracted. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And then chapter 13 puts it all together and says, okay, take what you know and live it. Live it out. Love God. Love your neighbor. God, your word is, as Hebrews in chapter four says, living and powerful. It exposes us. exposes me. God, I pray that our prayer as we end this book, in this series, our prayer is that we would ask more to do your will and to stay in your perfect will and ask for the power to do what pleases you more than we ask for stuff, more than we ask for protection and, and not, not wrong to do those things, ask for those things. But God, help us to, to, to come back to a simple prayer. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives as we learn to love you and through our lives as we learn to love our neighbor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.